He said, you can go sleep at home tonight if you can get up and walk away. I stared back back with the underground. The breeze blew back my hair. I remember throwing punches around and preaching from my chair. Tell me, who are you? Who are you? Felt a little like a dying car with a sweet dive ran tan tan. Stays back. Trying to spell this for the tweet for the tweet. Phenomenology. Phenomenology. Always the tough one to spell. Phenomenal fuck. God damn it. Oh well. Oh my god. The fuck? Come on. Alright, let's try this Twitch. Out here in the field, I find someone real. I don't believe you're defeated. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to fight. I'll spell it wrong. Man, my brain does not work. My brain is not turned on, as John, Tommy was so said in that terrible fake improv uh, sitcom that he did, which I've seen every episode of, and I'm truly kind of ashamed of myself. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. Has anyone seen that? Neighbors, it was called. It was on Hulu for a while, and it was absolutely brutal. Analogy. There we go. There we go. We can bring people over now from the Twitter sphere. Don't cry. Don't raise your eyes. It's only teenage wasteland. <laughs> All right. So today I'm going to get. Uh, a little out there. Uh, this is going to be uh, one of the weird ones. This is going to be one of the more speculative uh, 
phenomenological, as you can see in the name, uh, ones we've done in a while. And this is because I'm kind of feeling like I'm getting towards something that, once again, is only me trying to make sense of the world to myself and then throwing it out there to see if anybody is uh, getting what I'm saying enough for me to feel like I'm on the right track as opposed to just, you know, descending into uh, psychosis, which is always a concern. <laughs> it should be anyway for anybody living in this fucking society. Uh, so I just got to throw this out there. It's very, very oh, uh, mushy and uh, it's just a story I'm trying to tell myself. Like it's going to be, you know, very, it's, it's, it's going to like attempt to be like biological, but in a way that is way beyond my understanding of actual biology. So I'll just be pulling shit directly out of my ass. So I have to fucking stipulate that as the beginning is that this is all based on speculation about human biology and consciousness that I don't have a background for. I mean, I don't have a background for anything I talk about, but just underlining it here so that, you know, you don't get too alienated by this. If I'm, if it does feel like I'm, uh, disappearing from uh, legibility. Okay. So I was trying to think about myself and like what feels to be the sort of crisis at the, my center, the thing that prevents me from living in the moment with the knowledge that I have about, you know, the, the, the fundamental and un, uh, breakable unity of existence and therefore the impossibility and irrationality of the very concept of death. And I know that intellectually, but I have find myself unable in the moment of my life to inhabit a space where I feel that it's true. Like I still have a pit of anxiety in my stomach. It's not always there and it changes depending on the moment. And sometimes it's almost completely gone. But, you know, because I'm living a fallen life and I'm not an ascended being, I have not had a full conversion experience to a coherent uh, world with like a, 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 a supernatural charge to the perception of existence as opposed to the perception of the, the, um, the uh, intellectual, like, you know, self-conception of existence. Uh, so like, I know this stuff, but it's, I'm still like, you know, haunted. I'm still, I'm still happier than I've ever been. And I'm still, uh, you know, essentially my entire life, I felt like I was in a coffin and now I feel like I'm still in a coffin, but there's a fucking, there's an opening and I can move it. I could get it open. It's, sometimes it's gets smaller and sometimes it goes bigger. And that's never happened in my life before. I, before this, I was absolutely pine box nailed down like fucking uh like bill murray at the end of scrooge when they have him go into the fucking crematorium like that was it and now i feel like there's an opening and i've just been trying to figure out okay well how do i get the opening bigger and i'm doing some things but and there are other things that are preventing that that like provide me with a sense of anxiety that is related to you know senses of guilt senses of responsibility for other people's senses of like the the hurt i've caused and the and the to people and and my essential accumulated karma, you know, like how do I cut through this in a day-to-day -day basis? And I've realized that the real root of it is, is 
I think what is also the root of generalized neuroses under capitalism, and that is fear of death. Like actual emotional fear of death, not a place where you have intellectually decided that death, like, oh, no, that's an irrational number, and you wiped it off of the board. I'm talking about feelings. I'm talking about your your gut. I'm talking about, if you want to get back to 70s brain lateralization theory, the right hemisphere, right? Like, I don't know. I'm sure that all that uh, hemisphere shit has been completely debunked by now, but it was very popular in the 70s, and I've been thinking about it lately. Uh, and I really do feel like, for myself, I feel so psychically imbalanced towards the intellect and towards thought uh, and away from the actual experience of emotion. Like, I have emotions, but I feel like there is the space where God lives is the space where emotion is felt without uh, intellectual sort of uh, uh, narratization and, and disenchantment. Because, like, the intellectualization of life is the disenchantment of life. It is taking the experience of life, which is emotional, and I will argue that emotions come from our experience of our unity, not our separation. And that, uh, and that intellectualization cuts us off from them in a real way. Uh, and so... Thinking of it in terms of like brain hemispheres to me is very handy. I don't know, once again, if there's any real uh, science to back that up at any point, but I feel like if there is such a thing as being left brained, I am fucking left brained. And my right brain does feel my emotional connection as in, and I would say that the distance, the, 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 the distinction there is one of distance from the point where uh, consciousness comes into being. Because I think emotions come from our connection to. Uh, uh, our bodies. And the thing about our bodies is that, yes, they, they exist as separate from the world, but that perception of separation uh, is uh, a story that we tell ourselves. We cut off at an arbitrary point between ourselves, our perceiving ourselves and perceiving the things around us because we have the capacity, as anyone who has experienced altered or heightened states of consciousness knows, we have the capacity to experience with far, far, far more acuity than we perceive at, the, at our regular, like, resting consciousness. Like, in our, in, 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 when we're perceiving ourselves as individuals, we have a very restrained uh, 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 range of perception. So, like, our brains, our consciousnesses teach us where to shut it off so that we can perceive ourselves as separate, so that we can survive. Because as I'm going to say, there's two types of fear of death. There is the fear of death from an emotional level, which is the fear of immediate harm, which is an evolutionary necessity for any being to persist in the world and orient itself towards survival. But then, uh, as consciousness increases, as degree of perceptivity increases, as our ability to perceive increases, uh, we get a distance from that, like an actual physical, mental, synaptic distance from the experience, and then we have to tell ourselves a story about what just happened. And that is where we create a consciousness. That is where we create, we create the world that we live in and where we are the sole fucking perspective. We are God. We are everything. 
Now, that is illusory. That is fake. It is made up not of anything from us, but from things we encounter. This I that we have is really just the collection of the things that we've seen and exposed ourselves to through our perceptive apparatus through our lives. That's it. And then there is a thing within us that orients ourselves through that to tell a story, to weave these things together into a story about what we're feeling. But that story is not connected to the things that we experience because it passes from unconscious control because our brain is doing all the stuff in our body. Our brain is doing all the stuff in our body. It's breathing. It's making our heartbeat. It's making the blood. It's making the blood go. It's making the white blood cells do their shit. It's making the synapses synapse. It's all doing that. Our brain is doing that, but we don't think about it. And so our sense of ourselves as a separate being from our bodies is across the chasm of our perception of our body, which is where we cut off. The line is where we say, before this, we're not going to actually experience. After this, we can make do. But that is through this tunnel. It's through, the, it's through a glass darkly. It is by definition uh, a, a, a train of, 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 of perception has jumped the track into another tunnel. And you're using the symbols of everything around you to make sense of what's happening to you. And so you make neurotic assumptions and you build an, an intellectual identity that is unable to conceive of death because it is not connected to the, uh, the body, which is itself connected to something that would render that concern absurd. It's not a thing that you would spend time freaking out about. It's not a thing that would pull you away from the moment because it wouldn't make sense. And that is life socially lived, where there is enough actual emotional content to your life, which needs to have other people reflecting it in order to be reinforced. There is no room for intellectual uh, uh, uh fear of uh, annihilation, because we aren't feeling like something that can be annihilated. We're feeling like something that is part of something. We're feeling connection. And when you feel connection, death is not there. Death only comes, death only gathers his coat and stands by the foot of the, uh, of the, of the chariot. Uh, once you have um, removed yourself into the mind, removed yourself into the interior, not connected. And we can only do that the degree to which we're alone. And that is why the, the process of civilization is alienation away from those that we exploit so that we could be away from the horror. But that means time by ourselves. And we have reached the end point of that where we have all spent so much time by ourselves and, what, and that we have lost that social uh, uh, soothing of the fear of death, leaving us with just a mind, just a brain that is going to die, and then an anxiety about that that we carry with us. At least I think that I carry with me. And in that mind, in, at least in my mind, I can know in my head, oh, this, is a, this isn't a self, this is an illusion. But I cannot inhabit a body that believes that. Because I spent my entire life up until very recently accumulating this fucking anxiety. I've been filling a fucking lead ball in my stomach 
by walking around thinking that I was a self, by walking around thinking that, oh my God, I'm going to be gone someday. Because there's two types of fear of death, as I said. The fear of immediate extinction is just survival. And it's also in the best interest of whatever group you're with. And humans are fucking a social species. So that is the point. That fear of death is one that uh, shows the harmony between group evolution, humans as a species, and individual human evolution within that species. It's a mutual goal. But once you get to uh, fear of death as an abstract, when you're not in danger, when you're just living your life, when you're just doing your, your work to sustain yourself or whatever that means, but you're still thinking about dying, that is where the neuroses comes. And that is the social engine of the extraction away to capitalism, the pursuit of the ultimate panacea. But what that has left me with is that because I spent 40 years doing this, I have 40 years of accumulated uh, lit life in this crouch, in this fear ball. And I don't feel the accumulation of the fear anymore so much, but it's still this remaining slug. And I've realized that like whatever kind of spiritual awakening I feel like I'm coming into, which also sometimes feels like, you know, mental unbalancing or whatever, uh, that it is an attempt to uh, essentially uh, neutralize this ball by actively seeking to feel something other than fear, to actually feel with my body what it is to be a connected being. And that means being connected to other people, obviously, but that's only so far you can go because we are way, way, way more socially isolated than we could should be for our mental health, for our ability to sustain the balancing act of like uh, – uh, using a illusory uh, neurotic intellectual consciousness to navigate a flesh machine through space, as opposed to the two things being, uh, uh, you know, synthesized, which is what we want. That is the end state. That is this. That is that is what uh, Hegel talks about the the uh, the the, uh, the great absolute. That's where you you do it. And so I have now realize that like the goal needs to be as a, as a person to attempt to bridge the gap to, to bridge the tech gap of time between uh, the self, the rational self and that emotional self, because we can't kickstart emotions with our mind. We have to have experiences so we can use our fucking consciousnesses to get us in situations where we can have experiences, but it's the experiences that are going to do it that are going to give us the feeling, that are going to unloosen the anxiety that is what drives us away from each other. And what I think is the responsible, is responsible for the entire culture of, uh, of doom, whereby we are alienated fully, we don't believe in capitalism, but we also can't stop uh, pursuing it because we can't imagine any other goal but selfishness. We can't imagine any other reason for being on Earth than to continue living on Earth in pleasure, a pleasure that allows us to ignore the fucking feeling, ignore the tension, ignore that illusory and unnecessary fear of an annihilation that isn't real. And so how do you get that? One way, as I said, is to have a social existence because social life validates this by itself. It is, an, it is a perpetual motion machine of, uh, of presence because it pulls you, it is, it's, it's, social, it's gravity, literally. And you're not thinking because you're thinking about what 
matters. And what matters is decided by what's in front of you. It's not decided by you waiting in a room, looking at a computer, trying to define yourself. It is insisted upon by others who, if you are drawn to people with love and with an open heart, are going to be drawn to you. And you, you know, virtuous cycle stuff. So that's one part of it, but that's not something that everybody can access. In fact, in fact, very few people can. And people are forced to spend much of their time wildly alienated in terrible, awful work that makes them feel nothing other than uh, a presence, but a presence of suffering, which means they're in the worst condition, whereby they're, they're being more physically exploited, and that exploitation is robbing time from them that they know they'll never get back. It's time that can never be brought back. And you know that all you have is time because you think that there is something to lose with the end of your consciousness. And we all feel that to some extent, but it becomes overawing when all your experiences in life are pulling you in that direction. So what else can people do? And what else can I do as someone who is very privileged to be able to pursue this more, more on my level, my, on my uh, terms? But of course, that's, it has its own pitfalls because if you get to choose, then you have the burden of choice. And I'm not saying pour, oh, cry one, uh, pour one out for me. I'm doing better than most because of my privileged position. But this is the, the, the terrain of the struggle now is choosing. And that means feeling, and it's hard to feel. It's hard to feel, even if you're not alienated with every moment of your life. And most of us are deeply alienated. Uh, so what else can you do? I think there are people who, for whom it is easier, and I would say people whose brains are shaped a certain way. Because remember, this is all like an actual biological thing, right? This is your brain's ability to push electricity through itself to uh, feel things, right? To feel the world around it, to Find, to to feel the inside, to be able to uh, map the exterior and interior terrain of the human body, and then also map the exterior, uh, the the outside, the other, and then even though if your perceptive cap uh, capacity and your intellect and your uh, imaginative capacity as a human with your fucking super super highly tuned uh, perception map machinery, if it can experience beyond itself, then it can really access the entirety of human history, of the universe's history. You are able to find yourself, the groove of history you are, you talk about free will versus determinism, you can find the groove that brought you to where you are, and you can find the tessellating and, and exploding array of, of, of billiard ball connections that made everything happen and made you where you are now. And that robs you of the ability to hate others. It robs the ability of you to feel unnecessary guilt. It connects you directly to everything. But you can't live that way. It's impossible to live that way. This is a state of gnosis. This is a state that can, is always associated with heaven because it is not sustainable. But it is something that can be glimpsed. It can be a fire that can be held, that can push back the darkness. But it is, that is what is being sought. That's what we're seeking. And our brains can get us there because our brains, by definition, are the ones determining where we stop sensing, where we stop feeling the extension of consciousness. Like, no, no, we're not going to feel the blood going through our veins. We're not going to feel the electrical current. We're not going to... Uh, feel the air outside the air molecules outside the skin, even though we could. 
We're not going to feel all of that. We're not going to feel, we're not going to have to think, okay, breathe. Okay. A heartbeat. We're not going to do that. And we make a, we, we, we draw a line and we can access that other side by feeling because feeling is where it jumps the rope. Feeling is where it jumps to intellect. That's the black hole. The automatic brain functions turn into conscious functions, but there is a gap there. There is a there is the space between, because by the time you feel, think something about your feelings, they've already happened. By the time you are, when you cry, your brain is making sense of the tears. It is not making you cry. The body is crying. The brain is making sense to itself of why you're crying. And that means it's always guessing. And sometimes you guess right, but a lot of times you guess wrong, and then you act on the wrong guesses, and that is what pulls you away from ever being able to access that feeling and be able to access those, uh, those depths of perceptive capability. So how can you jump the track? Well, some brains jump the track naturally. Their, their grooves grow faster. They're fucking, the, the, the sparks spark faster. The uptake is fast. The reuptake is faster. The machine works at a higher rate, a higher rate than is compatible with functioning day to day. That is where you get uh, mental illness. It's also where you get religious belief because uh, the, the relationship between religiosity and temporal lobe ep- epilepsy is pretty well established. This is parts of your brain that are perceiving at a higher frequency than the rest of us or the rest of your brain. And that is where the that's uh, mental illness is essentially your brain coming into conflict with the consensus reality of everybody else's brain and being unable to function at that level of abstraction. Like you can't, your brain is too connected to deal with the disconnection. And then uh, there is drugs, which also skip the skip the. Uh, the, the rail for you, because instead of instead of your brain doing it naturally, uh, and instead of the na- the last one I'm going to say, uh, it just does it bio uh, mechanically. Like uh, it's it's like a booster in Mario. You're not thinking about it. You're putting something else in your body that does the thinking for you, and it goes okay. Well, I guess we're going to perceive a lot stronger. We're going to perceive a lot more. And oh shit! Oh my god! We're literally one with the universe, and that means our our consciousness is non-existent. That means that our our literal ego is meaningless. And then you still have to live in that body with that idea and with all the all the desires, all the things you want and all the things you don't want, which make up what it mean. What good is? How do you understand extinction as as good? As, as positive as something to feel good about if all of your other associations with those feelings are about this world and this small window of opportunity to indulge in sensation, even though the indulgement of sensation is just supposed to be grist for the mill of the universal consciousness experiencing itself. But that's dangerous. Drugs are dangerous because since you're not willing it through, you're cheating Say you knock your brain into a different groove, and we know for a fact that psychedelics literally rewire your brain. Like that, you get ahead of the bullet and you change its trajectory. That's what it does. And now, all of a sudden, you find yourself in a situation where you now have a new reality. You now have a new understanding of the world that allows you to walk around with your day, a conversion to a new 
to living in a new universe where that feeling is gone. And instead, you feel you can walk around being an individual, but also feeling the pure, full light of universal grace. But it requires, to sustain it, it requires keep doing the drugs or doing stuff in life that life won't let you do, or that the, the, your urgency of trying to keep yourself in that feeling is going to prevent you from doing, as the momentum of your mind is going to prevent you from doing, because you have new grooves now. Your brain is now new structure, and you are now, you are, you got to where you are with one brain, and now you have to navigate the rest of your life with a different brain. And if it's too different, then you get to the point where you can detach from reality and it becomes negative. Then there is the third way to breach the chasm, and that is concentration. Breathing, meditation, focus of the mind, clearing yourself as much as you can of the thoughts of the overbrain, finding the deepest rooted thoughts and following them into the fucking black hole. Of, sensate, of emotion. And that requires stillness. It requires connection to the body through breath. And it requires patience. And so, you know, I've been meditating, but not as much as I should. And I know that that's something I have to do more of in the future. Because I really do feel like we act negatively to the extent to which we're acting out of a panicked, horrified uh, uh, desire to escape from that feeling of death, which we don't have to feel so much. And there's a one-way ratchet. The more time we spend alone, the more time we spend in our brains, the, the more time we spend uh, not having experiences, not connecting, not feeling eh, the more we freak out about our impending demise, the more we need to grasp at whatever is most immediately satisfying. So we use the logic, the evolutionary logic of short-term, I'm in danger, uh, fear of death, which is necessary and, and advantageous to the species and to our, 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 ourselves, and we operate it uh, without that being the condition. And what we end up doing is suicidal shit. We end up driving towards death. Okay. So any of this makes sense? Once again, I'm out on a limb. I know I kind of got, it always gets a little, uh, I always end up going off into different tangents and uh, I want to make sure that enough of it came back because sometimes I'll forget to come back. And so I know that if I do the balance wrong with the drugs, for example, I could definitely get to a point where my brain is no longer able to function with the world I have. And I'm too selfishly frantic to keep feeling good because that's the thing. It has to be balanced or else you're not seeking, uh, you're not getting like the harmony. You're getting just the feeling you, you remember. You're trying to chase the high. And so that's dangerous.
But what, that's why what all this always requires, and this is to get back to the original idea, what all this requires is will. Because as I said, your brain is making everything happen in your body. It's making everything, every, every uh, white blood cell attack a cold uh, germ. It's making every uh, piece of bone marrow produce blood. It's doing that shit, but you're not aware of it. You're not conscious of it. But there is consciousness to it. It's just a lower frequency. And you can tune into those frequencies. And then you can tune into the frequencies beyond the arbitrarily imposed self. And so what is the meditative path towards enlightenment but the concentration of will? Instead of wanting all the stuff that's around you, ooh, I want to uh, have people like my stream, I want to eat a delicious sandwich, like even though I'm trying to, you know, reduce my ego, even though I'm trying to uh, sort of push through uh, to like a a new understanding, I still want stuff. I still have ideas of, of pleasure and pain that are associated with my life and the things that I've heedlessly pursued for the majority of it and I'm now surrounded by, I have to deal with that on its own terms. Uh, and those, those desires are dividing my attention and my, and my ability to perceive. Drugs is one way to just jump over it with, oh, I'm still desiring all that stuff, but also I'm feeling other things more and that's concentrating my mind in one or another direction. But uh, if you don't want to cheat, you have to concentrate your will to the point that those desires fall away. And you can't do that for a long time, but you can do that with, with focused time spent meditation, essentially. And then when you're there, when it's just your will and your body, you can push that motherfucking electron a little farther than you thought you could or that your brain expects you to. You can push that electron into the dark tunnel. And you can walk that line to a, a sensation. You're feeling it. You're feeling the world beyond your arbitrarily imposed body. And you're feeling, you're, you're, you're tuning into the frequency, baby. The universal hum put out by the galactic transmitter. But that requires will. Requires focus. And what makes people do things with will? Belief. And that's why there's a bit of, there's a bootstrap thing to this is that you have to believe first. So that means why you can't reason yourself there. That's why you cannot use reason there. Because you don't believe things because of reason. So what you can use reason for is to pull you towards situations and engagements and to keep your mind as clear as possible of, uh, of like the clutter of direct, like the shit you know, like when you get mad, you know why you're mad. You can... Pull it down and you're not mad so much. And that helps too. And then it really is, you have enough of those feelings. You, 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 you light up the top of the fucking uh, carnival hammer game. You light up the top thing enough times that's cumulative. And then you get a, uh, a flip, a switch, because that is all, th- all progress is, uh, it is an accumulation towards an inflection point. And that is it. You, experience, you accumulate experiences of a, of a character defined by pursuit of the ideas of universal love. And boom, 
you eventually reach an inflection point of experience and emotion that make you able that are a lot that allow you to walk around just without even thinking about it with with a belief in in the transcendence of the spirit and that's that's how uh, that's what you got to do that's what we're all that's what we all have to do and of course we are all it's impossible for any of us to do it like you have to be incredibly lucky and have the right the right experiences to be born at the right point at the right time to have any likelihood of encountering the ability to live beyond anguish and beyond that 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 uh, neoliberal uh, uh, Stimulus response nexus, the the pleasure pain thing that has us all trapped. We have to change our conditions to allow it to happen. But this is the same bootstrap dilemma that's at the heart of belief. Uh, We have to change the structure to allow people to have these experiences, to allow people to live differently. But that means we have to change the structures even though we are all defined by them and even though they pull us apart. And that is where belief comes in again. You have to believe, you have to believe in the world enough to stop believing in yourself so much. And then you need to believe uh, that because change happened to you, change can happen to others. And therefore all effort is worth, uh, worth doing. But that means Finding where you can apply your pressure. So that is the paradox of belief. None of us believe in capitalism, but we do believe in ourselves, in our our, uh, self-interest enough to pursue our uh, pleasures throughout it to cooperate with it, to find something. Like, yeah, capitalism's failed. It will not give us anything. We are doomed. We are controlled by demons. But if I do X, Y, and Z, I and the people I like will be able to have uh, some more, a, a little more at the trough and maybe maybe uh, have more pleasure ourselves, since that's the only thing that matters. That is the logic that is, you know, that is why if, if there is no human soul... If, or if it's been stripped to its too much to its uh, to its uh, if it's been stripped of its ability to imagine any value other than uh, 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 ex- exchange value, like exchange value, the value form being the only thing we believe in, the only thing we believe in. Like there's plenty of work written about how capitalism is a is has taken. Capitalism is the endpoint of Western Christianity. Protestantism turns to capitalism, and we and we worship it. There, there's no there's no question that it is, and that's because the one thing we believe in, the thing that actually makes us act, even though we have all these thoughts, and even though we have all these ideas, and even though we might consider ourselves communists or socialists, Republicans, Democrats, whatever we might, we don't think politics matters. We, whatever it is, what we all do. Most majority of us is cooperate with capitalist institutions and pursue capitalist desires 
because those are real to us, even though they're not real. They're as fictive as any other social fiction because those desires are, don't need to be filled. Those desires are generated by uh, a delusion. Those desires could be written out of the equation. So they are illusory, but we believe in them. We believe in them. And it's the only thing to believe in in a material world, in a desacralized world where we are separated, where we are fundamentally rent from the world around us, where that division between that, when we imagine that the train tunnel between feeling and mind has been blown up and there can be no transversing it. If we believe that, then the only thing that we can pursue in life is whatever we conceive of as our uh, pleasure. And the thing is, we don't even know what it is. Like, I'm a fucking hypochondriac. I've always been terrified of dying. And I pursued uh, a lifestyle basically guaranteed for me to die young. And I could, and that meant that I could keep doing that. That meant that as I sensed, oh my God, look, I'm having a heart attack. Oh my God. Oh, I can feel the tingling. I'm going to, my heart clearly is not going to last very long. Well, then I might as well do nothing but have another burger. Might as well do nothing but sit on my ass. What, what? Uh, Try to do something else? Why? For life, for time, I don't even know I'm going to get. I don't know when it could end. This heart attack could be a real thing. I could get hit by a bus. Why would I not pursue the most narrow pleasure I can at the time? So even though I have this idea of what my long-term interests are, I'm doing the opposite of them without even knowing that's what I'm doing. And so we are all doing that, no matter what we might think of ourselves. We might be horrified by capitalism. We might find ourselves, we say to our bones, we don't believe in capitalism. We want to see it overthrown. We say, I don't want this shit. I don't want, oh, oh, but convenience and, and personal identity and, 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 and the ability to, to recreate yourself in the market. I don't want any of that. Oh, look at you. You've succeeded so much in capitalism. Look, you're, you're, you're a fucking, uh, you're a, an example of the, of the greatness of the system. I don't want it. I would trade it all. I would work at a collective farm. I, would, I wouldn't even be anime appraiser. I would do a bad job on a collective farm if I could find some way to be helpful. Uh, but with that not being a real possibility, with revolution being extinguished, with me living in capitalism's uh, dying, it, it has swallowed the world and is now choking on it. And I'm, I'm, I'm in its stomach while its last fucking uh, sulfur-scented breaths are being gasped out. I might as well pursue whatever I can call my, my, uh, my best, my, my most, uh, the thing I can live with, the most indulgent path I can live with. Like one of the big reasons I was never able to get a, a real, I, I never really pursued a career. Like I, I wasn't somebody who like got a, a degree or something is was like an application and knew what I wanted to do as a young person is because I assimilated very quickly how horrible everything is and how the only way you can succeed is by being evil. And I didn't want to do that. So instead, I ended up just being stunned and being just being a, uh, a, a, a parasite, like an emotional parasite without even knowing it. 
but I wasn't doing bad stuff. So I felt like I was a good person. And then I go, Oh, I get to be a podcaster and I get to have good politics and pretend that I'm like changing the world by having people hear my ideas. And then I get to have uh, all these other pleasures too. Hey, that's great. I'll take that. So it is, so like the neuroses of liberalism broadly and there are, and even beyond like liberalism, when I say liberalism broadly, I mean every American, like the neoliberal subject. So all the Republicans too, it is, you're in the belly of capitalism. It's dying. You, there's no, there's nothing else but your mind, which will extinguish and pleasures to be accumulated. How are you going to do it? And then it is deciding what balance of indulgence and penitence you want to go with. So the right wing is essentially the culturally, the right wing are those who say maximal transgression and indulgence will be my religion. I will, in fact, worship Satan. I will invert all values and worship myself as God, the libertarian, uh, evangelical Protestant, uh, capitalism. That is what I will do. But on the other side, the liberals, though, who are also in capitalism, also want to keep enjoying its benefits, also only imagine their own self-interest is the real, the only real thing in the world. They want to enjoy themselves, but they, because they think so much, because of their social conditions that have had them sitting around in parlors uh, doing ritualized manners to each other, because that's what replaces morality in, uh, in bourgeois society at the top, is manners. It's not. It's not religion. It's not good. Or, it's not uh, morality. It is manners, and so elaborate manners are how you give yourself permission to enjoy yourself for the time you have, because you'd feel too guilty about just directly crossing over to Beelzebub. I am saying nothing. Nothing is inevitable. Is exactly what I'm saying. I, that's the, the point of all of this is to say that these are these cannot be mapped. These changes cannot be mapped, anticipated. It is a stochastic process. It is being driven by the bouncing of all of our consciousnesses off of one another as we create these different levels of consensus reality, some of which bind us, some of which make us enemies. And we're negotiating those borders all the time, and it is that friction that powers history. But... It is randomized by the fact that it's made up of individuals with their own wet wet work, their own brain chemistries, their own environments. They're always going to mean that the response cannot be predicted. Chaos theory, baby. Needing a libidinal release, exactly. On the right, culturally, which is the only politics that matters, it is libidinal displayed through transgression and indulgence for the liberal, including most people who call themselves the leftists. I'm not talking about anything economic here. Oh no, I believe in uh, a cab. So I'm not a liberal. I'm not, I don't care about that. You could be a real ML. You could like pass the test. You are still a liberal in this sense that this is the social arrangement you live in. This is the post-class world that we have created where we are consumers and we are members of subcultures. On the left here, this political left, which includes all liberals and basically all leftists, including myself, you are balancing indulgence with libidinal release through uh, the self-righteous ritual of 
uh, of uh, renunciation, which we inherited from Calvinism and the Puritans. You can even t- see these two ends, these two things, the indulgence of, uh, of the conservative id and the superego of the liberal. That is the two paths of American Protestantism. The bottom half, those who had to work the land by just killing Indians and uh, enslaving blacks who labored at the point of the spear and therefore didn't have the luxury, literal luxury, of creating manners of distance from exploitation, uh, they don't. They have decided that yeah, like well, well, taking over the planet, while taking over the planet, like by well, while dominating the continent, while while in, imposing this this vision at the expense of these others, these humans who we are going to pretend are not human, so that we can dominate them. You know, digging up that earth literally birthed the demon that in, that uh, that possessed them all, and now they're Satan worshippers. The other American Protestantism, which was which came from New England, the people who left who left England not because they had to, not because of an economic necessity, debts or poverty, because they were uncomfortable. They were socially uncomfortable in the world of early capitalist Britain, where they were expected to be high church Anglicans, where they expected to ignore the, de- the dying cry of the human uh, connections that were happening in the severing of social ties in that era, and with Protestantism as the leading edge of it, and so they freaked out over here. And so they created their own religion, American Protestant tradition, that by even the early Republic had gone from fire and brimstone shit to a detached, they, like John Quincy Adams was a Unitarian. So by that generation, like his dad was a Congregationalist, and he was already basically a Deist. Uh, John Quincy Adams was a Unitarian. By the late 1800s, they're all fucking Theosophists and Spiritualists, and they aren't, they aren't even Christian anymore. And now there are some variety of fully, uh, fully secular or New Age like non-Christian, like outside of what you would consider the, the, the Eastern, Western spirituality, even though that's what they inherited culturally. Uh, it is now the, the, the dominant form uh, of, of political Protestantism. It is a hyper-secularized radicalism. And it is all radical. And they do really believe that they're, they want to change the system. They think they do. At every level, like the people who think they're going to do it through a fucking vanguard revolution or a Maoist insurgency, or even by pushing the Dems to the left. They're all trying to write in the world the virtue that they can't imagine anywhere else because they cannot conceive of anything but the here and now. And so they get their libidinal pleasure by trying to turn the world into that. They're inscribing themselves as the elect the same way that the Puritans did by uh, turning uh, New England into the, the, the New Jerusalem, by bringing civilization to the wilderness. They're doing that again. They're going to reconquer this, this uh, capitalist, savage land, this land of white supremacist barbarism, where the, uh, where the slavering satanic dog of, of white uh, supremacy has broken loose 
and conquers the land. We are now going to settle it. The new savages are uh, are uh, MAGA people. The new savages are uh, Applebee's uh, appetizer platter aficionados. And so that is where you get the set of the holy war that is coming now. The holy war between these two wings of American Protestantism that are going to fight over who gets to be subject to the horrors of the coming neoliberal murder order. We know that the fucking walls are closing in. We know that there is no prosperity. We can only have pleasure in the here and now. So if we're in the political realm, our pleasure is by imagining that we can make our enemies be punished. We can make the, the horrors of this world fall on their heads and not ours. And it's a snake eating its tail, the same way United States versus China is a snake eating its tail. And the thing that they all have in common is none of them are acting politically because they do not act socially. We are not, there is no left because there is no organized left. There is a consumer identity that is expressed through voting and uh, participation in demonstrations and participation in uh in volunteer organizations and political parties. And that has an effect, but it is not the effect that an actual organized left would have because there is no actual articulation or coordination because everybody is pushing in the direction, not of belief in anything other than themselves, but in self-pleasure. In some variety of politics as pleasure, as pursuit of pleasure, because pursuit of pleasure is what defines the uh, political experience in this country. Once we got rid of uh, the economic basis for political participation. Ah. And the thing is, is that we've reached such a terminal point of alienation that we basically have to come back together with one another. Like there's nowhere else to go. Like we can be dissolved into gray goo and maybe we will, but I think that there's still enough actual like, felt experience of, of, of connection to, that we have, even though it's attenuated and, and small and it makes it hard to hold the light, we all have it. And I think that there will be a flare up before an extinguishment. Even if it does end in extinguishment, there will be a green flash before the sunset. And who wouldn't want to, if the sun's going to set, wouldn't you want to be there for the fucking flash? Wouldn't you want to be there for the green flash? Even if that's all it is, but maybe it's not, maybe it's the beginning of a catalyst. Maybe it's the beginning of a trans of a transformation that pushes against the the, the tide uh, because the structure is not built to to uh, defeat it because it depends on this critical mass of selfishness that could be overcome and if it was the system would be powerless against it because it wouldn't be able to uh, use its methods of suppression now the question of technological uh, sophistication and technological uh, mechanisms of control is a separate one but it is one of those questions where you can't answer it for certain you can only have an intuition and that intuition is going to be bound up in whether you're willing to risk yourself because if you don't want to risk yourself it's easy to imagine that yeah no they have they've got computers uh wiring us uh there's drones everywhere we couldn't stop anything there's no point in resisting anything i might as well pleasure myself but you uh and you can say no uh, fuck these drones. Fuck this shit. Like, this stuff is something that uh, can be attacked from the side. I don't know which one's true. I don't think we'll know for sure until it happens, if it happens. 
but I know that which one you that I know this that the one you believe is more likely to be generated and motivated not by a reasoned understanding that says, well, I have really looked at the issue and my brain has convinced me that this is uh, that this is the state of like America that the the human individual versus technology. Uh, you didn't really reason yourself there. There is something else pushing you there. And it was either a desire to find it power, find effort pointless or a desire to find a reason for, uh, for fighting. Because when you love, you will believe. And when you believe you're going to want, and when you're going to want, you're going to want to make things better. You're not going to want to indulge yourself. And so maybe, maybe that those things look less, uh, overpowering. And if they look less overpowering, if you, even though you think you've reasoned yourself there, even though you think, no, no, I believe that this is an opportunity because I, my smart brain tells me that that's not why that's not why you did that. You did it because you wanted to believe. And then you can motivate yourself that way. You can push yourself in a direction because you now your thinking brain, the brain that you deal with most of the time, it thinks that it had this idea, but it was tricked into having that idea. So it's a process, obviously. I don't know where I am in the, in the thing. I don't know if I'm going to re- get to some point of, uh, you know, conversion or uh, psychosis or if I'm just going to, like, ride the edge of this, like, you know, ball uh, for the rest of the – I don't know. I do know the, the, the complicating factor, and this, and this is very interesting and fascinating to me anyway because I feel like I know exactly what the complicating factor is, but once again – it's not enough to change the, the dynamic by itself because knowing doesn't do it. You have to feel. Uh, and it's that I have been governed by this hypochondria, right? Uh, and since I was a kid, and now, even though I understand that, like, what that was a displacement of and, and how uh, it's not, it doesn't have to govern me that much, I still have the, the hypochondria sensations. And it's because part of sensing things more, sensing your body more, is sensing your body signals more. And I have, ever since my spinal injury, sensed my body signals to an ex- to a, a clearly neurotic excessive degree. So, like, I very much could have all kinds of stuff in my body that is, like, precursorily bad. That is the accumulation of, like, my lifestyle, you know, plaque buildup in the arteries, Whatever. But I could be feeling it far out of proportion to its actual, like, danger to my body at the moment. And I'm just replicating that anxiety because in the absence of that, like, full spark, the full flame, there is the fear that if I I die too soon, I will will not be able to apply my mind – to death in such a way to neutralize fear of it, which is all it's about. It's all about just facing it and being able to breathe through the, 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 the panic of the overmind with the steady, real undermind. But that requires a lot of concentration, practice. I don't know. What if, what if I really am dying? And I feel it more when I think about this stuff more because 
as I approach, because I can really, if I think enough, like I think fast enough, I can approach talking myself into believing without having to feel. But then as I do it, as I feel more, I feel my body more. And as I get closer to that sensation of gnosis, which is the extinguishment of self, my ego kicks in because it's still there, because I still have this accumulated 40 years of fucking desires and structured uh, structures of illusory identity that don't want to go, that aren't ready to go. And I have to, uh, I have to like breathe through them. So that's like the, so it's like a dynamic of intention navigating these poles. So you've got the body and the mind, right? Trying to negotiate the distinction there. And then also being able to get close enough to the root in your thought, in your thought process. Because I just think all the time. My brain is very literal. That is why I have, I'm abstracted away from my body. Because, why I've been scared of dying since I was a kid. Why something that was any, by any realistic measure far, far away, something I couldn't stop thinking about. Because I could not imagine uh, detaching myself from that ego enough to avoid just screaming into the void and annihilating myself. So I am trying to reorder myself so that I'm always trying to grasp like emotions, where they come from and like follow them through to try to, to uh, neutralize even my body sensations before they, they trip me up and got me back into a, uh, into a terror. So anyway, I hope some of this made sense today. You know, this is uh, all part of the journey. Who knows? We all know where it'll end up, and that's good, and that's the thing, is that there is nothing to fear. There really is nothing to fear. But that uh, that doesn't pay the pickle man when your feelings are not determined by the things you think. You have to take that lack of fear and live it by overriding as much as you can everything that comes spewing out of your fear hole. But you need, you need, you need to, but you're not going to get rid of fear, obviously. And it's going to have to use, it's a signal. It's, it's, it's a, it's a decision-making matrix. It's a decision maker. It helps you navigate things. So you have to have fear without being owned by it. And that's way easier said than done. But that's, nobody said it would be easy, you know?
All right. Well, that felt pretty good. I feel like I got most of what I wanted to get out of here. Um, hope everybody can stay safe and stay uh, stay frosty.